You said your sister-in-law killed a man and a woman here and cut them up? You said they found hands and feet, but they never found any heads. Hello, everyone. Hi. I hope your Thanksgiving was good. Yeah, it was nice and warm here, so. It was crazy Hopefully nice. Hopefully, it was nice weather for everyone. Alrighty. So, we're back. Episode 130. Welcome back. Welcome to episode 130. Yes. And this is, uh, I did not name this one. It's, uh, whatever. It's the same thing I would name it. It's not really necessary to keep naming yeah, this. Yeah, but I like consistency. So, anyway. Yeah, <clears throat> but, you know, if we do... A thousand episodes. Well, I started this Is one it with a matter? question. No. So this one, uh, so do you know, so obviously you know the song Staggerly. Yeah. Do you know the history behind the song? Uh, no. Thank I God. Don't. Okay. I was Why? really worried that you would be well versed in I know this. the story that's told in the song. Okay. That's good. It's good that you're familiar. He gets ripped off. He goes and gets his gun. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. So it's such a good song. Even though I have been since writing the story, have had a consistent um, mixture of this song and uh, Mr. Lee. Oh. Like I've been kind of doing Staggerly, Staggerly for some reason. It's it's like you got to think about Shag. Shout out anybody that likes the movie Shag out there. It's me and my mom. Shit. Yeah. Oh, I didn't know your mom like that. What? It's like her, like one of her favorite movies. I somehow have never or have put that out of my mind. Somehow, I'm sorry, Teresa. <laughs> so good. It's like the well, because the um, it's it's the so for those aren't familiar. It starts out very nice and like slow and melodic, and then it goes into a like kind of upbeat song. I can't remember the very first. It's like the um, night was, was yeah, uh, young the, or dark. I think it's the, the night was dark. I should have brought it up. Yellow. Yeah. And the leaves skin tumbling. Dun, 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 dun. Then it gets yeah. hot as fuck. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Such a good Let's song. Let's see. Staggerly lyrics. I should have pulled this up. But what's, the, what's the very first? The night was clear. Clear there. Clear. Is. Yeah. So the song was first called Stackily. It was first mentioned. Is that all one word? Stack hyphen A staff hyphen Stackily? That sounds like a. Um, that sounds like, like what, save your, a lot. what your broke parents would get you if they couldn't afford Legos. Yeah, yeah, you're right. <laughs> or Lincoln Logs. Oh, don't worry. I get you a whole box of Stackerly. Yeah. Well, nobody wants that. Nope. It was first mentioned in 1897. It was performed by Professor Charles Lee, the piano thumper. Ah, yeah. thumper. Yeah, that's what his, he went by. Uh, it was believed that the very first version was actually a field song um, well known throughout the lower Mississippi River area. So, uh, you know, chant by, um, used by either uh, enslaved people or those in prison. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and they said that the, it became infamous in 1910 when two versions of the song were officially printed in writing in the Journal of American Folklore. So this, this song, it's, there's definitely different versions. So the story, the song we are most familiar with has one story. But there's other songs about the same story that are slightly different. And they're different versions, different melodies, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so it's first noted in 1897, written down in 1910, first recorded in 1923. 
um, and it was an immediate favorite. After that, another version was recorded by Frank Westfell, I think is how you say his name, mm-hmm. in his Regal, no, uh, his Regal Orchestra. There, it was basically a dance band. Um, and dance band. It, yeah, and another version was recorded the next year by another guy. That same year, a whole nother artist put out um, a different bluesier version. And then Mama Rainey, or Ma Rainey, recorded that version, the bluesy version, with Louis Armstrong. Mm-hmm. So that's been recorded. So in five years, there's four or five recordings of this song, but different versions, different stylings, everything. So then prior to World War II, it was commonly known as Stack Ole. Like Lando Lakes? Yeah. Did they ever take that chick off of the front I of it? I think they did. Remember that shirt I had? Yeah. said big old tits. Big old tits. Yeah, it was a great shirt. We still have it. It's in storage somewhere. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, along with all of your other skate stuff. Um, so many thought it was a nickname for a tall man, but whatever the meaning by this point, uh, by World War II, it was a fil- familiar song in pop cultures. Many singers recorded it. But no, most notably, obviously, is the Lloyd Price one, which is the one we're all familiar with. Hell yeah. Um, that was recorded in 1958 and is known as Staggerly. In early 1959, the song rose to the top of both the R&B charts and the pop charts, uh, where, and it hit 456 on Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs of All Time. Oh, wow. Yeah, and it was to reach several charts, excuse me, several charts across seas as well. Lloyd even redid the song to provide a more family-friendly song for, um, or uh, family-friendly version for Dick Clark's uh, American Bandstand. Ooh, I wonder what that song's about. Um, it's it the the lyrics are out there. It's just more of a it's more about an argument. I don't think someone dies in it. Okay. Yeah, it's it's like a, a fist fight that ends in a good way, <laughs> somehow. <laughs> All right. Uh, Lloyd's version went on to be covered by Pat Boone, Ike and Tina Turner, the Righteous Brothers, James Brown, Wilson Pickett, many more, including the Grateful Dead, who then extended the song, obviously, to include the aftermath and revenge for the, for Billy's death in the Mm. song. Also, fuck Pat Boone. (laughs) Yeah. Honky ass bitch. (laughs) Taking everybody's music. Isn't that, um, who, uh... Take it, take it. oh the um oh, when Pat Boone when he's Pat Boone. yeah like, I can't kiss. remember kiss it's, it's kiss. kiss yeah yeah. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> yeah isn't it Pat Boone also yeah in the um that like for those that didn't get that that's Stephanie show reference that fucking what was it like a VH1 movie or something uh or some like TV movie they made about Little Richard oh um, and they show like the scene where um. They're doing Tutti Frutti. Yeah. And then Pat Boone. Or like, Pat Boone steals one of his songs. And then they're like, he's like, how is he allowed to do that? And he's like, he's white. He can do whatever the fuck he wants. And it's like, you, well, you just got to make your song so your songs. Mm-hmm. And Pat Boone can't, can't take them. And then he like rips Tutti Frutti. Mm-hmm. And Pat Boone's like, Tutti Frutti, all Rudy. And just like. <laughs> so <laughs> like, white. Yeah, like you're can't so keep up. You're so white. <laughs> You're so white. <laughs> yeah. Anyways, fuck Pat Boone. Moving on. <laughs> yeah, fuck Pat Boone. Uh, the Black Keys covered the, th- the story on their third album, Rubber Factory, in the song called Stack Shot Billy, oh, where cool. Dan 
Arbach? Arbach. Okay. Arbach. Oh, this was right. Uh, included a heavy blues inspiration. So I'll have to like, well, I know I've heard, heard that the song, song, but now listening in the yeah, frame of like mind of what it's for. It. Yeah, me too. Um, overall, more than 400 artists have recorded a version of the story since 1923, and God only knows how many have actually performed it prior to the first recording. Mm-hmm. For those unfamiliar, it's a song about two men, as Daniel said, gamble- gambling late at night when a disagreement occurs, causing a fight to break out. One man ends up dead. Word. For those familiar, hopefully you're singing it in your head. Um, and maybe trying to figure out where you've heard Samuel L. Jackson singing it. It's uh, not specifically the Lloyd Price version, but he does a more, uh, a different cover, more, again, bluesy, deep south version in uh, Black Snake Moon. Word. Yeah. So, obviously. Totally forgot v- about that movie. Me too. She's until I read the story. So hot hot. ass Christina Ricci. It's like, I always was like, oh, she's like, I mean, the forehead's a little big, but like so cute so cute and like definitely hot and, and then, then she, you see her in that movie and you're like yeah oh she pulls her tits out and it's oh. like well i love you christina <laughs> I ricci love you. super love you yes so um a lot of people is aren't aware that it's a song that is actually a true story or what's believed to be a true story or a compilation of many true stories um even fewer are aware of what the murder, the song that's, it's actually, uh, the murder that it's actually attributed to. So basically someone sometime went and did the work to try to figure out exactly what this could have been about. Mm -hmm. And they narrowed it down to like three or four different, uh, murders that could have occurred. Um, but specifically the one that we're going to cover today is like, it kind of hits all the points and I'm not really sure what the argument against this one being the, the murder so we're just gonna say this is the one okay because if you look it up this is what's gonna come up sounds good so um what's interesting is that the night that the murder occurred that the song talks about there were actually six murders in that city st louis missouri that night and that was christmas night Damn. In 1895. I wonder if there were other like shittier songs written about those <laughs> murders. Yeah, for some reason, um, this one just became the notable murder. Maybe because it was so public and so kind of coolly done. Um, but uh, either way, six people. So St. Louis at that time w- had a population of just under half a million people. So to scale it up. What year is this? 1895 1895 to scale it up six murders in a single night would translate to over a hundred murders in new york city today that's fucking crazy yeah that's a lot of murders in one night yeah that makes it kind of seem like it's a spree killing but all of these were separate incidents saint louis Fucking St. Lunatics. Yep. Six murders. Six murders. Um, so Stagger Lee is a character has crossed into, again, other arts, not just music. Mentioned in several poems, books, plays, musicals, movies. Popped up in lyrics across all genres of music influenced by uh, rock and blues. So the real, quote unquote, Stagger Lee is Lee Shelton, who was born in Texas on March 16th, 1865. So just 30 years before the murder. Okay. A year after the entire country uh, was finally informed that slavery was abolished. So he's a black man. He he was born a year after the 13th Amendment. Mm -hmm. So 
uh, or the 13th Amendment was ratified. So um, it's believed that his mother was a former slave. It's also believed he was mixed because he was very light-skinned. So not sure if it's, it's, there's not really a history of who his father is. But again, it's believed that more, or his mother really, it's not noted who she is, but it's believed that she was a former slave just because of the time period. And that more than likely it was either her owner or just a a white male afterwards um, who she procreated with because Lee was very light-skinned. Mixed parentage, again, best guess you can have. As a youth, Lee is a carriage driver, um, a job that he continues into adulthood. It's basically a job he has his whole life. It's like his only job he got. Uber. Yep. And um, but, but he's fronting it for his real hustle. What's the hustle? Gambling uh, and pimping. Eventually. Oh, yeah. there, you, there you go, oh, kid. Yeah. Oh, yeah. At some point in his life, Lee Get these earned hose to drive this horse for me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, pr- pretty much. At some point in his life, Lee earned the name Stack. More than likely, during his time working on the steamboat, uh, on a steamboat which was called the Stack Lee, it was a floating bro- brothel that operated on the Mississippi River. Word. Yeah, um, it was That's- so. So interesting. Isn't that super interesting? Fuck that, that was just yes. like a way. I was like, li- I was thinking about this story and I was like, so many interesting ways of earning a living. Oh my that God. Totally don't happen nowadays. Especially, like steamboat. Like yeah. nobody hangs out on a steamboat anymore. No. And I bet they had a piano on that thing. Yeah. Dude's just like has those scrunchy things around his arms and just ripping the shit yeah. out of the piano. Yeah. Drinking whiskey. We'll get to it in a little while here. There's another part of this story that makes me like, kind of envious because it's one of those times where like you know how we're all like saturday night but it's like we just do the same thing yeah and it but it's like back then that's what you live for because it's like i might not make it to next saturday yeah so it's like everyone turned up so it's just interesting turn up get on your boat and turn up uh anyway floating brothel others think that lee may have um taken the name after the real stacker lee who some say could be his father word so to explain who that guy is uh, a white family owned a famous line of riverboats named lee steam one of the sons stacker joined the confederate army at the age of 16 fought for two years before it ended in 1865 and he was 18 so his father decided i'm just going to make you the captain of one of the steamboats to make up the lost time for the two years that you basically lost in the workforce i'm just kind of putting you ahead a little bit by just making you captain of something you clearly don't know what the fuck aren't you're doing. Qualified so for. all the dudes that have been working on the boat are going to be really psyched <laughs> oh, when yeah. your yep. brat fucking kid shows up to oh, be yeah. captain yep so stacker traveled up and down the river became known as a gambler hellraiser a ladies man having many claims of Ill- illegitimate uh babies with black or mixed race women um though unlikely that lee is actually stacker's child it's not really a stretch to to believe why he may have thought that was true because mm-hmm. the time period works and the dude's white and his name is stacker lee and your name is lee and sometime you became stacker and we know that he's shut ass <laughs> yeah lee stood five foot seven he was a um, pretty petite guy like stature wise uh he also had a crossed eye his left eye kind of crossed in front of his uh right his face and torsos were uh tor- torsos multiple torsos he's got a couple torsos on him <laughs> and his eyes are crossed like debo 
His face and torso are covered with several uh, scars, many of which he brags about earning and what are kind of out, out, you know, stretched out, like maybe not correct stories. Yeah. Lee's real life girlfriend was, of course, his bottom bitch, uh, Lily. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Jesus. He loved her dearly. He definitely kept, uh, she kept the girls coming. He made, she made Lee a wealthy pimp, gained him entry into, um, so he got entry into the exclusive pimp group that was hanging around the area. Is all this pimping still going down on a boat or is it going around everywhere? No, it's just kind of around the city. Because pimping on a boat ain't easy. It ain't easy. Um, so this group was known as the Max. And these mm. guys sound awesome. The Ma- like Max. They were known as Max. They were known mm-hmm. as Max. Yeah. Got it. Got it. The Max were known for strutting their style, wearing flashy clothes for the time period. Lee's go-to outfit was basically a black dress coat, a high collared, like up to the neck um, shirt with something embroidered on it. There you go. See what I did there? Uh, crazy colored vests, striped pants, and a um, he he had like one pair of shoes he always wore that were dove gray. It's kind of like a Gators? No, it's like a light too early gray. For gators? Yeah, too early for um, gators. It was a dove gray colored flat. They had long pointed upswept toes that ended in small mirror tips that were designed to catch the light. So they had tiny little mirror tips on the end. Ooh. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Each finger on his hand had a ring. Obviously, there you go. And he carried a gold headed cane. But the kicker. What year is this? This is like 1890. 1895 they had pimps back then yeah i mean like i know that there were people that did that job but i don't i don't see them like i don't see them in my head in like the middle like the 1800s dressed as fucking huggy bear like but this dude sounds like he's killing it yeah i wonder if he's one of the first like these max they're the ones who were like hey we're gonna dress fresh as fuck probably i have not looked into um the uh history pimpage, of the pimpage. Uh, history of pimpage <laughs> yeah the history of pimpage but maybe we should for the radio um just to see have you have they always been fresh we should write a book it'll be called uh where's my powder <laughs> and it'll be all about the whole just history and pepper jack loves oh Rock. my god yeah <laughs> pepper jack are you serious <laughs> All right, moving on, moving on. So he... Will you grab me another beer? I got you. Thank Go you. Go ahead. He, so he he's fresh. Super fresh. Yeah. Like... Yeah, so, fresh I wanna, as fuck. I mean, that's so old, so we don't have pictures. That's such a bummer. Uh, yeah. Do we have a rendering? Um, There is a rendering. Let me see. You want awesome. Me f- okay. Let me see if I can pull it up now. Lee Shelton. I guess there are actually... There's like one real old picture, but it doesn't really do it justice. Some, uh, somebody Photoshop Huggy Bear on a tugboat. It's like, <laughs> well, here you go. I wish. Um, well. Oh, there you go. That's yours. Oh, thank you. I was about to open it. Uh, I, don't, I can't no, find it that fine. fast. Mo- Either moving way. on. Um, so uh, the kicker for Lee's outfit. Yeah. So he always wore a very expensive white Stetton hat. Uh, Stet- yeah, they mentioned that Stetson. in the song. Yeah. New Stetson hat. Yeah, thank you. Um, the headband 
had an embroidered, mm-hmm. said it right again, image of Lily, his bottom bitch. Really? Yes. Oh my yeah, God, I want to see her. that so bad. I know. I'm and so And also back bombed. then, someone had to spend uh, a week mm-hmm. doing that by hand, probably. Writing this bitch's face on your thing? Yeah. Yeah. And is she laying there like in the it embroiderer's s- crib while like he's like, lay there. I'm I probably get, probably had someone paint a picture. <laughs> I want you to embroider me like one of your French girls. Just, <laughs> lay right, there with, just lay there with your tits out, eat an apple. <laughs> <laughs> so there was a part of the city known as Deep Morgan, and it's where Lee spent most of his time. It was the notorious red light district. There were two notorious red light districts, but this one was the more seedier. And one one floats and the other one doesn't <laughs> yes um <laughs> this one's seedier the yeah. one that uh deep Stacker morgan yeah it in yeah it's always full it was always full of blues um some ragtime but it was like ragtime turning into blues mm-hmm. um gambling prostitution flourished it was a place where the white uh the wealthy white folks would go slumming Ah, uh, yes yeah um, but they were like, if you would have asked any of them, they were like, it's a good time. <laughs> Hi, is uh, Pat Boone here? <laughs> no, motherfucker, Pat Boone ain't here. Scram. Deep Morgan was formed when a flood of immigrants from the South, um, or the flood of immigration from the South happened in the decades following the Civil War. So obviously the South sucked to live in after yeah. uh, black Americans were granted freedom. And uh, so they immigrated, obviously, as we talked about with um, some of the other stories, they went, most of them went like Chicago area Mm -hmm. or up that way. Some of them, the other percent went to like Missouri, Texas, you know, spread out kind of west. Let's Um, go where only 75% of the people hate us. Pretty much. Uh, so quickly, the black sections of many towns, including St. Louis, were overcrowded and slums were a natural result. By the 1890s, about 85% of the city's black population occupied 2% of the city space. 85% of the black population, mm-hmm. majority of the black population. So out of a half a million people, say even 25% of that is black. Okay. We'll just lowball it. Out of that 25%, two, they all, 85% of that, so the majority, mm-hmm. lived in 2% of the city's population. So mm-hmm. you have, uh, you, know, it, you know, a very small area where they're kind of packed into spaces. Because yeah. it's the only way they could live. Because, of course, they couldn't live where branch out. predominantly white people lived. Yeah, because it was I think they rule. would like, back then they would only sell... They would only sell to, to certain, to, in uh, certain areas. Yeah, they would only sell to them in one mm-hmm. little spot. So exactly. they could like keep them contained. Exactly, exactly. So, so fucked. fucked. It's so fucked. Jesus. So um, obviously segregation was alive and well. Black citizens were not allowed to move into the vacant neighborhoods, obviously, as we said, because of the white citizens living there. So St. Louis was built and maintained on the river access. They ran a busy port servicing hundreds of steamers that sailed up and down the Mississippi between Minneapolis and New Orleans. Obviously, this brought a constant stream of gamblers, drifters, and boat workers into St. Louis, all there for a good time for a day or so before heading out. 
When the, rail when the railroads began being worked on, this too brought many workers into the city and basically certified St. Louis is a, a connecting point to the West for pioneer, um, for, yeah, for pioneers. So this basically <clears throat> brings, not only is there a half million people living in the city now, but there's people flooding into the city constantly through different accesses and everyone is there just to, because it's, basically become known as being a place to have a good time and it's your next stop west or next stop east depending on which way you're going so it super great place for people like lee who will hustle yeah <laughs> yeah um and it the eventually in the 18 like 70s 1890s that time frame a bridge is built between the districts so over the river there was one district and then the rougher district quote unquote was on the other side of the river and they finally built a bridge across so again wealthier white people could be like well let's just go slum down there it's a lot easier for us to get down there so they would now head more down to deep morgan and hang out on saturday nights because it was easier for them to get to now mm -hmm. so the wages were low uh, in the city. All had more disposable income than they pretty much ever had. Many of the city's inhabitants, again, spent their entire their Saturday nights burning their entire paycheck um, in either what was called Chestnut Valley or Deep Morgan. So those are the two like red light districts. Chestnut Valley was a, quote, dismal atmosphere. It was basically, it's the business area. It's like the business district is where the the jail house and the courthouse is. Mm -hmm. But prostitutes, both black and white, would like hang out in front of the courthouses, like selling themselves. It was like it was kind of like known well, clearly for they getting shit for but it. not not at that time because I'm not really sure of the laws of prostitution. But I don't I don't ah, think it was fully illegal at that time. That's a good point. Yeah. So, but it was just kind of a thing where like they were there to work for, or they were there for the people who work there. So that's why I was saying like Deep Morgan seems a little more shady because this is still businessy, but it's like you can go get five dollar nickel shots or nickel shots is what they were called five uh, five cent nickel shots. You probably get a five cent bloge too when oh, you I'm come sure. out of the courthouse. <laughs> <laughs> well, How'd your case go? Uh, well, the one. Well, you got five cent. <laughs> <clears throat> um, eventually, the the restaurant and bars would get so packed, and the girls outside would not be being taken up on offers because again, it's like. I just got off work. I'm not like turned enough to hire you yet. So they would knock on the windows to try to get the guys like attentions. So like, it, while they're drinking. Yeah. Really? So like these dudes are like inside, like eating and drinking. And they're knocking on the and windows. They're, like, like knocking they're, on the windows, like, like shaking their tits and stuff. Vampires trying to get in. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. You have to invite them in. <laughs> Don't nope. No one invite them in. <laughs> there were girls also, of course, working inside the buildings of some because of course you know some bars just had women there for you to hire right then and there and um the girls knocking on the windows outside would cause a lot of arguments and cat fights between the, the like prostitutes the the ends and the the uh, the indoor cats and, and the, the outdoor, outdoor cats. cats yeah um and so there were just a lot of uh, fighting and you know brutal policing and there was a um a lot of just annoyances with like cattiness because again it's not quite the atmosphere where everyone's drunk yet but it's like getting there mm -hmm. so deep morgan's like everyone has a good time because we're all turned but like um chestnut valley's a little more like you just you, you gotta want to be there but 
the plus side to it is that it's like the one area of the city where segregation, just like kind of Deep Morgan, but a lot more than Deep Morgan, um, racial issues are completely out the door. Everyone inter- intermingles. Everyone has a good time. A lot of interracial relationships come out of this area. Wow. So it's just like people Probably are just there to have fun. A small breath of fresh air. Definitely. Being there. Definitely. So uh, Chestnut Valley and Deep Morgan are 10 blocks away from each other. So when we say they're two separate districts, they're like one kind of runs into the other. It's just like. Not that far. Yeah. Deep Morgan um, is the main focal point for that area is two bars, which are basically across the street from each other. One is the Bridgewater Saloon. It's open on the corner of 11th Street and Lucas Ave. And the other one is the Curtis Saloon, which is open on 13th and Morgan. The two saloons are bitter rivals, not only um, because of the same business and right across from each other, but also because Henry Bridgewater, who owns Bridgewater Saloon, is a uh, predominant uh, Republican. He's black. And Curtis Saloon is ran and also operated as the Democratic Party for the black citizens of St. Louis. So both are black owned, black ran. But one's Republican, one is Democrat, and then they're across the street from each other. So that's why they hate each other. Mm-hmm. It's kind of, you know. Stupid. Yeah. But at the time, politi- at that time, politics, well, you lived politics. Yeah. yeah. Because, you know, especially, I mean, it's at that, that time, either. I'm pretty sure they were, the parties were switched where the Democratic Party is what we know as the Republican Party, and the Republican Party was is what we know as the Democrat Party. So if you were black and you were on the Democratic Party, it was a little like, what are you doing? Because uh, at that time, the Republicans leaned more t- friendly towards uh, black citizens. But who, you know, again, it's it's all, it was, again, much different. You lived it. It was a deeper, meaningful thing mm-hmm. to be political. So you basically would hate each other just because of that. Which is why the politics and religion thing is a thing that you're not supposed to talk about. Because now we have football teams to talk about. Yeah. I hate you because you're an Eagles fan. And the Kardashians. Which one do you like? (laughs) (laughs) Um, All in all, the Curtis Saloon had a worse reputation, being deemed as the worst den in the city. With a clientele described as, quote, the lower class of rivermen and others of the same social status. By 1895, Lee, now 30, wealthy, well-known throughout the town, obviously, still working as a carriage driver. Sometimes he waited at Curtis's saloon in Deep Morgan, um, and he was always the operator of an invite-only club called the Modern Horseshoe. It's weird that once you had all these side hustles and you were doing, you were pimping and being crispy and fresh on the side, you would still be seen driving a horse around <laughs> well because no one asks a question of where a man got his money if they see a, you working i guess it's a secret yeah that's like his uh his secret identity yeah yeah but then at night he throws on the <clears throat> the kit and he's got those shoes and that hat it's on it's on uh it's on like donkey Kong. um uh bu- bu- bu. yeah so he um he operates an invite only club called the modern horseshoe where of course he uses it to gamble and prostitute out um the front is operated as a bar the back is operated for illegal activities he um well 
what we assume is illegal. Um, Lee also owns uh, an impressive brick house on North 12th Street, which was in a more upscale neighborhood, though his neighbors didn't know that he had basically built uh, what he called cribs, but uh, apartments, like little sections, in the back of his house where the girls could operate business under his supervision. There you go. Yeah. Little little, uh, ass-getting (laughs) B&B. Yeah. In addition to all of this, Lee was also the president of the social club known as the 400 Club, which was a sporting circle, but also strongly and loudly supported the city's Democratic Party. The club presented itself as, quote, having the strictest moral tones and, quote, professed to advance the moral and physical culture of young black men. It's now thought that the attempted encounter on Christmas night was set up by Henry Bridgewater, the operator of the other saloon, in his attempt to sway the Democrats in, in Deep Morgan to work out terms with the Republicans. So it's believed that the night that the, the song came about, the Henry actually sent um, Billy over to Curtis's to talk and try to come to terms with the Democratic Party to settle a matter, you know, kind of settle the tension. Either way. Um, oh, okay. So Henry's one of the uh, richest black citizens of St. Louis. Again, he owns the saloon plus a property worth about 15000 which at that time was a ton of money. Uh, and he helped, uh, that helped raise him to being a prominent wealthy citizen. Uh, again, he's Republican and he basically is able to sway black loyalty to the party. Um, Henry said that the grip, uh, the Republican grip on the city was slipping away, and that's why he wanted to to basically make a deal with the Democratic Party through his brother-in-law named uh, Billy Lyons. So Billy was the same age as Lee, so they're both 30. The two were friendly and known to drink on occasion. That night, Lee was dressed in his best outfit. So, um, again, the black dress coat, gray striped pants. Mirrors on the shoes. Mirrors on the shoes. He had a red velvet vest and a yellow embroidered high neck shirt and all of the the gold rings and, of course, the gold-headed cane. Ill. Ill. At some point, Lee and Billy struck up conversation, drank a few beers at the bar before gambling. You know, pretty usual. Like everyone else, both were in high spirits, talked about the holiday. But then the conversation turned to politics, and that's when things got heated. Then Lee snatched Billy's derby hat from his head and broke it. So, you know, derby hat has a form to it. Yeah. Lee basically punched it. Out of no, anger. you didn't. <laughs> no, you didn't. <laughs> I, think, I think I did. Billy, pissed, demanded money for the hat, which Lee refused to give him. So in turn, Billy grabbed Lee's white Stetson. Yeah. No, you fucking did not. Yeah, that's kind of what Lee said. He drew his forty-five uh, that caused most of the saloon to run out of the the door pointed it at Billy and said, I'm going to blow your brains out if you don't give me my hat back. Mm -hmm. Billy pulled a knife, called Lee's bluff, saying, quote, you cockeyed son of a bitch, I'm going to make you kill me. Lee shot Billy. 
So Lee pulled the trigger, shooting Billy in the stomach mm. around 10 p.m. on Christmas Eve, 19, or excuse me, 1895. Is Billy laid on the floor bleeding out? Oh, yeah. Lee stepped over him, picked up his hat, and walked out of the saloon. He walked home, went upstairs, and went to bed. Billy was taken to the hospital where he died at 4 a.m. that morning. Lee quickly arrested, obviously, due to the eyewitnesses who saw him pull the gun. Uh, convict, he was convicted of Billy's murder, was given 25 years in prison in 1897, paroled in less than 10, only to be put back in jail two years later, this time for assault and robbery. Um, this time, the authorities were not so quick to let him out, and Stagger Lee Shelton eventually died in prison from tuberculosis in March 1912 at the age of 47. Wow. And that is the tale. Damn. Yeah. Pimp down. Pimp down down so um the song obviously says they got in a dispute yeah and then he shot him mm -hmm. so basically the same story few details changed i'm gonna put the song at the end of this episode that's good uh because yeah. it's a great song it's a super fucking good song super and good song. it just makes sense it does and i i wanted to do the story but i was also like it's kind of like it's not much to it it's pretty awesome. Yeah. Yeah. And then once you start diving deep and I was like, well, why does everyone like question that this is the the story? It makes perfect sense. It's in the paper. You know that movie uh, Maverick? Yes. The card playing movie with yeah. Mel Gibson? Yeah. I just keep picturing like him pimping on that boat yeah. that they're on. Yes. I think it's like a big ass tugboat steam not tugboat those are the little ones as far as i remember what that's a called? good movie steamboat oh my maverick yeah so I haven't good seen it in so long but i was oh gonna say i remember God. it being real good it's so fucking good mm -hmm. um jodie foster not a big jodie foster fan no i kind of hate her face i'm not a um i'm not hating on her she's a great no actress. you're just like you're not just into her at all. like when yeah. she's in stuff i'm like ah wish that was a different actress <laughs> i don't love it I've just never been a huge Jodie Foster fan. You're not going to try to kill her? I would say my... F hmm. I don't know what my f like favorite movie with her in it would be. Yeah, I don't She's know. Silence of the Lambs, right? Yeah. Yeah, I was going to yeah. say. Probably those movies. Actually, could be that. Yeah. She's ridiculously good. good in that movie. Everyone Clarice. is so good in that movie. Yeah. So good. God damn. So good. Uh, Red Dragon's on um, Netflix. Somebody... I think I was hanging with Brian and... Jared. Jared the other night I think one of them said that they had been watching they had just watched all those movies that makes sense. I think there's four um, including the prequel yeah there's Hannibal Rising Hannibal Silence of the Lambs uh, Red, Red Dragon. Dragon I feel like there's another one uh, there's at least four yeah with the prequel anywho yeah um yeah so uh, Stagger Lee good song Hope, hopefully you all have it in your head and you're not mixing it with Mr. Lee. Do not do that. It's a good track, too. It's a great track. It's a little weird when you mix them. Um, well, thanks for listening. Yeah. Uh, and please enjoy this song. <laughs> you yeah, have your I, hand I have out. Hand I was up. like, what? what are <laughs> I'm like the gay guy from Best in Show <laughs> walking Ooh, the little dog. Best in Show. Dude. We got to talk about that on the radio know. show. I know we don't bullshit much on this show because we have a bullshitting show, but watch Best in Show. Yes. I'm sure a lot of you were like, Psh, obviously. Obviously. But we had just it. watched it. I Do think it, it was 
the first time I had seen it. I, all the way through. All the way through. I've, I've seen, I've definitely on seen TV. a lot of it. It's so good. Yeah. It's, it's so probably good. one of my favorite movies. It's so good. It's so fucking good. So good. Okay, everyone. That's um, it. Yeah. Watch Is Best any- in Show, giggle a little, have and, a good uh, week. We'll, we'll have the radio show out for you soon if you're uh, someone that enjoys that. Yes. So there it is. Yep. Check it out. Enjoy it. And, and we'll see you at the next one. Bye. Peace out. And the leaves came tumbling down. <laughs>